0: So I figured I would shoot a really quick video and just kind of take a stab at answering this question, uh, because it is an important one, right? What do we believe uh, about atheists? Now, it's very easy to take a stance where You almost enjoy the thought of consigning them to hell. Um, the very first thing I would say is this. Jesus wants you to do good to your enemy and and to love your enemy and to love someone is to wish for what is best for them. So we ought to wish and hope for salvation for all people. Now, does that mean everyone's going to get saved? No. Does that mean every atheist out there will be saved? No. Does it mean everyone who's not Christian or, or not Catholic will be saved. No, it doesn't. Uh, and the church doesn't believe that, and Francis isn't teaching that. Um, but what he is teaching is that there does seem to be, and this is biblically based, some grounds for hope for people who are, um, in a, in a not fully correct, uh, understanding of the truth, right? And again, part of this comes down to the fact that truth does exist in a sense on a spectrum in, in the sense that there is more correct and and less correct so uh from a catholic perspective let's say um the catholic church is the fullness of of the truth if you had a, a deck of cards It would have all 52 cards in the deck. Um, our Orthodox brothers would have 51. (laughs) They're just missing the Pope. Uh, our our Protestant brothers and sisters would be missing, you know, anywhere from four to to eight to 10 to 12 cards. Maybe only some of them have a half a deck, but you know, if this is like a Pokemon card deck, you know, maybe they only have half the cards that I have in my deck, but there's a lot of them out there who, with the cards that they do have, play amazingly well right and that is absolutely commendable to them a lot of them they know their cards forwards and backwards whereas there's many catholics out there who are sitting on a full deck of cards so you know first off it's important to understand that being catholic is not a guarantee of going to heaven um many card carrying members of the catholic church Probably will not make it and I hope that everyone does in fact again a truism of, of, of Authentic Christian faith is we hope even a Hitler or a Stalin or a Mao Saddam Hussein uh, Osama bin Laden the guy who kills your wife, right? We hope All, all of them can find salvation um, In first Peter 3 we hear about Jesus is very timely considering we just had Easter and um, And it says that when he died, he went to preach to the spirits who were in prison, who were disobedient in the days of Noah. And so these are people who died before Christ um, and, and died in sin and disobedience. And yet he went and he preached the message to them. He preached the word. He preached the gospel. So it seems to be the case that he gave them some kind of a shot at salvation. And... So 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 take that as kind of your your guideline, right? Um and going back to this idea of, of a of a spectrum of, of truth, right? Uh C.S. Lewis once wrote, and I think this is a very apt saying, that you know, God is a God of truth. And there are many people who go to church every Sunday and don't believe. And in a sense, what they're doing is living a lie. Lewis wrote, I believe it was in Mere Christianity that for the guy who suddenly wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I don't believe a lick of this. Uh, you know, I don't believe in, in Jesus. I don't believe in God. And and he, at that moment leaves the church. He actually may have had the first spiritual moment of his life. That's the real irony of the fact. And God can work with that and bring you back around because at the very least someone like that is, is taking the, the question of faith very seriously. And, Jesus, at one point, this is in John, I want to say chapter, it's it's early in John's gospel, or it's like probably chapter 10 to 12. I could look it up for you later, but, uh, he's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he says to them basically, um, you know, you say that you see, you say that you hear, and therefore your sin remains. If you didn't see, if you didn't hear, then you would not have sin, even though you're doing these things that are sinful. And that is, you know that that's that's what we as Catholics understand as the doctrine of uh invincible ignorance, and that's really where all of this comes comes down to right so an atheist who is an atheist because he's never encountered you know a christian think think of what Gandhi used to say, right uh, I love your Christ, but not your Christians. There's many people in this world who have never encountered a a serious, earnest discussion of the faith. They've never encountered somebody who doesn't just, um, you know, yell fire and brimstone at them, which no one's going to convert, right? That's not how you get people to, to convert. You say, you know, if you, if you don't believe you're going to hell center, right? That for most people, especially if they don't believe in an afterlife anyway, that that's not a good argument, you know? And so think of the, um, you know, the Aboriginal who's in the Australian Outback and has never met anybody to who could teach him about Christ, right? Um, if God is a God of love and God is God of mercy, then under normal circumstances, it would not make sense for that God who is himself love, who who reveals himself in scripture as love, to say, well, on a technicality, you never had the chance to know Jesus, so you're going to hell, right? That's not as far as I can tell, loving, that's not as far as I can tell, merciful. And we know, according to scripture, that God wills the salvation of all people. Now, God is omnipotent, but him willing, it doesn't make it happen because salvation is a two-way street, to be sure. Um, and so part of it is the response and part of it is, is the call and part of it is the response, right? Uh, so when, when God... He gives everybody grace, and we all can respond to that grace. And for some people, that response may be, um the way they respond to the religion in which they were brought. That doesn't mean they're being saved through that religion, but it means they're being saved in a sense through their adherence to as much of the truth as they have access to. I'm gonna go back to C.S. Lewis here. Um in his his uh the last book of his Narnia series, the last battle, uh we meet a Kalorman soldier named M-E-th, Emeth, E M E T H I believe, and he is a a follower of Tash, who's basically um some sort of an amalgam of of some sort of a pagan deity and like uh, the, the Klormans are definitely Muslims at the end of the day. Like Lewis has really clearly painted these guys as, as Muslims, you know, whenever they speak of the Tisraq, you know, may he live forever. They say the way that a Muslim would say uh, after Muhammad's name, peace be upon him. Right. Um, and they say something after the, the name of God, after, after saying Allah as well. And um, anyway, so, Ameth at one point encounters Aslan, the lion, and Aslan obviously is Jesus in these stories. And I mean, ob- Lewis is, is being very allegorical here. Uh, Tolkien would even give him a hard time about that. Is why do he keep dressing Jesus up as a lion. <laughs> um, but I think he paints a really powerful picture. But let me see if I can find this. Hang on a second. All right. So somebody recorded it here. Uh, and I'll, I'll put a link to this down below, or maybe we'll just copy this under the video. Um, but basically math finds himself entering into, um, oh, I just realized I think I'm only recording my video here anyway, so you can't read this. I'll put a link to this below. Um. But basically he he sees, Aslan says, he was more terrible than the flaming mountain of Lagur, and in the beauty he surpassed all that is in the world, even as the rose in bloom surpasses the dust of the desert. And then I fell at his feet and thought, surely this is the hour of death, for the lion, who is worthy of all honor, will know that I have served Tash all of my days and never him. But nevertheless, it is better to see the lion and die than to be Tisrock of the world and live and not to have seen him. But the glorious one bent down his golden head, and touched my forehead with his tongue, and said, Son, thou art welcome. But I said, Alas, Lord, I am no son of thine, but the servant of Tash. And he answered, Child, all of the service thou hast done to Tash I count as service done to me. And then, by reasons of my great desire for wisdom and understanding, I overcame my fear, and I questioned the glorious one, and I said, Lord, is it true, then, as the ape has said, that thou and Tash are one? And the lion growled, so that the earth shook, but his wrath was not against me, and he said, It is false, not because he and I are one, but because we are opposites. I take to me the service which thou hast done for him, for I and he are of such different kinds that no service which is vile can be done to me, and none which is not vile can be done to him. Therefore, if any man swears by Tash, and keeps his oath for the oath's sake, it is by me, rather, that he has truly sworn, though he did not know it, and it is I who reward him. And if any man does a cruelty in my name, then, though he says the name of Aslan, it is Tash whom he serves, and by Tash his deed is accepted. Does thou understand me, child? And I said, Lord, thou knowest much, how much I understand but i also said for the truth constrained me yet i have been seeking tash all of my days beloved said the glorious one unless they desire unless the desire had been for me unless thy desire had been for me thou wouldst not have sought so long and so truly for all find what they truly seek. And then he breathed on me and took away the trembling from my limbs and caused me to stand up on my feet, et cetera, et cetera. So, you anyway, know, I've always loved this passage because I think it it really helps to paint the picture of of a God who is ultimately loving and ultimately truthful and, you know, as opposed to a very common picture of God, is it Jonathan Edwards sinners in the hands of an angry God, where he's, you know, holding the sinners above a flame, just looking for any reason to cast them into the fire, like he's some sort of a cosmic bully. I think a lot of people get that picture of God. Um, and I think it's much more important to understand him as being meek uh, and loving and, and, and God who defines himself as love. And so one who is rather rather than looking for any reason to damn you, he's looking for any reason to save you. And given that passage in first Peter, we know that there is some sort of a possibility. We don't know what that looks like, but there's at least a possibility of salvation after death in this life. Um Again, I don't know what that looks like and nobody knows what it looks like and nobody knows how certain it is. Nobody knows how possible or impossible it is, how common or uncommon it is. But it certainly seems that at least one can have hope. And so in the case, to go back to what Francis says of an atheist, um, in the case of um, an agnostic or a Muslim or um, a Buddhist or a Hindu or whatever, um, we would hope, we would hold out hope that they could be saved, not by virtue of being a Muslim, not by virtue of being a Hindu or or Buddhist, but because uh, by by virtue of of a God who who loves people dramatically so so much so that he came and became one with us, um, so that he could elevate our human nature in a sense and and, and make us one with him, right? Um, and so he's he's looking for a way to to work with us and in some capacity if he wills the salvation of all people not all people will be saved because again salvation's a two-week street doesn't force his love but if he wills it he must make it possible and scripture tells us god wills the salvation of all people so anyway i hope that that made sense i'm going to go ahead and end this here because it's late and i'm kind of rambling on um but I wanted to kind of put that out there. So, um, you know, what Francis did or did not say clearly he gets misquoted. Sometimes this actually is a quote, I think this article that you shared was like four years ago, this is 2013. So this isn't even, you know, new news by any means. Um, but certainly, uh, I think that it is definitely consistent with understanding a God who is love with the, the biblical accounts, uh, with historical accounts. Um, and it's just philosophically consistent. So, Anyway, let me know if that helps. Feel free to sound off or leave a comment if you have any questions about that.